Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Awaken Your Inner Awesomeness. I am super excited because today we have with us Miss Janet Bouts, and she has two podcasts. She's the creator of Mindful Social Podcast and Nearly Mindful Podcast, but also she is the author of the upcoming book, Microdosed Mindfulness. So she's here today to talk to us about all things mindfulness, which you know I'm all about that. I love mindfulness, and I know that anyone can benefit from doing these mindfulness techniques. So I'm super excited to hear what she has to tell us today. I hope you are too. I am your host, Melissa Oatman, and we're gonna go ahead and get started. So welcome today, Janet. Hey, thank you, Melissa. After having listened to some of your shows, I certainly know that you're interested in mindfulness. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, I'm super excited about this because I am a huge proponent and advocate of mindfulness, not just with adults, but with kids as well, because I'm also a teacher mm. and I see how it really helps students in the classroom even. So I'm really, really excited to talk to you today about mindfulness. And I always like to just kind of find out a little bit about our guests, you know, who they are, where they came from, and the journey of how you became the queen of all things mindfulness. <laughs> I don't think I'm wearing my crown yet, but maybe I should think about that. You I know? see it on your head. I don't know. <laughs> well, let's see. I have worked in technology for a very long time, 25 years. And but about 15 years ago, my partner was diagnosed with cancer. And to be honest, running my business, helping her, being a caregiver, all of that completely overwhelmed me and I pretty much lost it. And I didn't really know how to get out of that pit. And somebody suggested that I go to a mindfulness-based stress reduction course. And MBSR is incredibly powerful. And in that one course, it opened my eyes to a much better way to be able to manage my business, be able to manage my life, being a caregiver and handling that stress. And it's made me more resilient. So from there, I started studying. I studied a lot because I love learning this stuff. This is so amazing. And really understanding what emotional intelligence is, what mindfulness and resilience are and how they can help not just us, but the people around us has really changed my life. And I founded a company called Nearly Mindful that I simply teach mindfulness and emotional intelligence. So it's it's been an interesting ride, but so worthwhile. I love that. And you know, being a caretaker to anyone else is a huge stressor. And I was just watching a special the other day called, uh, I think it was called Heal. And it was a special on Hulu. And they talked about how one of the biggest killers of people these days is stress. Mm -hmm. That causes so many illnesses in people. And I think we probably are seeing that more and more and more and more. And not only does stress cause illness, it can cause a lot of things. It can cause you to retain weight because, it, you know, having extra cortisol, they say, is really bad for if you're trying to lose weight. And all of that is brought on by stress. So I think that mindfulness is such an easy way to combat the stress that we feel. Would you agree with that? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think I might not have survived what, you know, was happening all at once if I hadn't been able to step back and have a little self-compassion and also to really give myself a little bit of space. And, you know, I think one of the things in our society that we've learned to do is shoulds. Shoulds and gotta do's, they're everywhere and they cause us so much stress, totally unnecessarily. And every time we get a, oh, I should do this. Oh, I should be losing weight. Oh, I should be, you know, whatever it is we get so sidetracked by it that it kind of takes us over. But with mindfulness, we can go, wait a minute, is that true? Is that something that I need to do? Or is it something that I'm pressured by society or whatever into thinking I need to do? And those are very different things. And that's why I think for me, mindfulness has really allowed me to step back and get a 10,000 foot view of what's going on and really ask myself, is that real or is it just outside pressure? Totally changed my life. Yeah, I think that we all cave sometimes to the pressure that we need to be or do or have all of these things. And that will instantly stress you out. It's like keeping up with the Joneses. Right? Yeah. And, and it's like the comparing and feeling like we're not enough, I think that really contributes to why so many people fall into depression and why so many people, why they're unhappy with their lives instead of living in the moment and appreciating what you do have. It is uh, important, you know, just to take a step back, like you said. Yeah, we really need that perspective. You know, most of the times if we're really stressing out, it's because the shoulds and the gotawadas, all of those things have lined up for us. And we get focused on that. And what we learn with mindfulness and emotional intelligence is to switch our focus to allow what is right now to simply be and then decide if we have to do those other things. And then, you know, to just have that perspective. So, you know, most of the time, we can simply step back and take a look. And what mindfulness really teaches us is to pause and allow for that time, to allow for that thought. Um, in our society, we're running so fast all the time. We're constantly moving and you know we don't really have to be, but we kind of chase that. We're like hamsters on a running wheel. And if we can just stop that for a moment and let things settle and let things be what they are, we often find that it isn't as bad as we think it is. I have found myself that using mindfulness practices every day has helped me when, as you said before, you said, I don't know if I would have survived all of the things that happened to me all at once if I hadn't been studying mindfulness. And the same thing I've had well, we've all had a lot of things happen with this pandemic, but I had a lot of things hit in 2020 as well. And I've always said I would not have been able to handle it as gracefully as I did um, if I hadn't 
been practicing mindfulness all along, like I probably would have lost my mind in 2020. Mm. And uh, so I think mindfulness is a great way to allow you to handle the stress because we can't always control what happens to us in life, but we can absolutely control how we respond to it. And I think that that's a big part of mindfulness is not allowing your emotions to take over and instead staying in a place of center. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And another thing that mindfulness allows you to do is, you know, when you're in a situation like we have been in the pandemic or in the last <laughs> 18 months, where we find ourselves in really high stress situations, and often it's confrontational, because there's been so much duality in our lives. And sometimes we can go, you know what, I'm not going to take this personally. This is not really directed at me. We, we absorb so much weight from the people around us. And there's this process that some call screening, where you know if somebody's like yelling at you and it's not really your deal, and you know that it's not about you, it's about them, just let it pass through you like a screen door. Just let it go. And don't try to hold it, don't try to change it. Just let it go and let it be what it is. Most of the time, if we don't respond to those things or react to those things, we can allow that person to have the vent that they need to have without affecting us. And it actually calms them down too because we're just letting them do their thing and not taking it personally. Yeah, I've been in situations where I've had family members, um, you know, yell at me for ridiculous things. And as I'm sitting there, I used to be the type of person that I would have like gotten angry and upset and yelled back or, you know, and then I realized that I'm just taking part in their insanity when I do that and mm -hmm. wasting my own energy and time and all of those things. And I look silly. Um, so now I got to the point where I did what you do, what you've just suggested, which is just sitting back and watching, just observing and watching. Yes. And when you do that, you have a whole new perspective because now I just sit back and watch and think, I feel really sorry for you that you have to explode like that because that must be a horrible feeling. I remember what it felt like myself to explode and get upset and use all of my emotions. It doesn't do anything to change what's happening. And you look pretty silly doing it. And it doesn't feel good afterwards. Once you've exploded, now you're like, okay, now I've potentially hurt someone's feelings or offended someone because I got upset. And I don't think it does anything really very positive. And I couldn't see that before, but now looking at it from a different perspective, as someone who doesn't do that anymore, I look back at someone else and think, wow, that's, that's pretty heavy. That's a lot. But I love your suggestion of trying to just allow it to just let it go, like observe, but don't take part. Because I think you're right. I think that that does diffuse a situation a lot faster than if you then get sucked into that argument and want to yell back and forth at that person too. So mm. that suggestion, I think, takes you out of that conflict. Yeah, actually, 
the other thing too is that you know when we're in that conflict and we allow ourselves to be reactive then that just fuels whatever is going on with them mm -hmm. so for us to be able to just allow it to be not take it personally step back get that perspective maybe take a breath that just allows you to get a little distance and recognize that when people yell at us when people do things when they cut us off in traffic they do it because they think that it's going to make their life better even if they're going off about something there's a reason that they're doing that and maybe it doesn't make any sense to us but it makes sense to them so we just need to meet people where they are and if that's where they are right now okay that's where you are. It's not where I am. And I'm not going to react to this and fuel that fire. And I don't know about you, but I found that when I have done that with people, those particular people stop doing that as much with me. Yep. If we don't react, it totally diffuses the whole thing, mm -hmm. you know, but if, and if we, instead of reacting, if we respond mindfully, it's a very different thing. And sometimes it's just sending them a little bit of silent loving kindness. Wow, I hope you feel better. Yeah. You don't I have to say it because it might set them off, but yeah. <laughs> you can think it. <laughs> you can send that energy. I found though too, if you even acknowledge what they're feeling, mm -hmm. that even helps, you know, to repeat back to them like, wow, if, you know, if they're saying like, I'm so angry because whatever. You say, wow, it sounds like you're really angry and it's causing you to have a bad day. I'm really sorry that's happening. That also diffuses the situation because yes. it's like you're meeting that need of them feeling needed to be heard mm -hmm. and validated. And I think that's what everybody needs sometimes. We just need people to say, yeah, I get it. You're having a rough day. And I understand that. Yeah. Yeah. Offering that olive branch is, right. is a beautiful tool. So if you had someone listening who maybe isn't practicing a lot of mindfulness in their life right now, but they'd like to get started doing that, what are some ways that you would suggest maybe some easy mindfulness starters for someone just starting <laughs> out? Well, the reason I'm writing microdosed mindfulness is because I think people get really carried away with what they think mindfulness is and that they have to meditate for 20 minutes or an hour or move to an ashram, but they don't. All you have to do is pause, take a breath, and notice how you're feeling right now. Notice that what's around you. I think what mindfulness drills down to really is noticing. And that's really all it is. So it's not so hard. It's just that we forget. We forget to notice the beauty in the world. We forget to notice the kindness. We focus on negativity because negativity bias exists. It's our natural state to protect us. So we need to recognize, oh, that's a negative thought. How can I balance that? How can I make a mindset shift? So those are very simple things that we can do that can really make big changes in our lives. Yeah, I find that if you are in a bad mood or some kind of funky feeling that you can't get out of, one of the easiest ways to shift that is just to look around and look at all the things you have that you're grateful for, 
because we have a lot more than we realize sometimes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Even looking at, you know, things on your desk, most people put things on their desk that remind them of something that makes them happy. You know, for me, it's, I always have, <laughs> I have a thing for rocks. I'm always carrying a rock in my pocket. And so I can just go to that as a touchstone, as it were, to just remind me, oh, I picked that up on the beach. And that immediately brings back that peace and that pleasure that I had at the time I picked it up. It's really quite simple, but we forget, we get lazy. Yeah, and I think the biggest problem is that many of us don't take the time to truly acknowledge how we're really feeling. Mm -hmm. So then we just keep going forward in this mood without stopping, like you said, pausing to really acknowledge, okay, why am I feeling like this and how can I shift this? Yeah. Yeah, and even going back to the situation where we're in kind of a confrontational situation, you can use the tool of open awareness. Okay, I'm going to step back. I'm going to get a 10,000-foot view of where I am. Wow, I'm in a really great place, and, you know, I don't have to focus on the negativity right now. I can focus on the sky. I can focus on the trees. I can look out the window and just shift my focus for a moment and then come back and my mindset will be different. I even really like the idea of mindful eating because mm. so many of us, we scarf down our food, we're in a hurry, but also I think there are a lot of us that have this relationship with food that almost like a love-hate thing. Like we love food, but we hate that, you know, Sometimes it's not good for us. It does things to our bodies we don't like. Um, and I was actually watching a really, really interesting documentary the other day called Thin mm. all about these women who had eating disorders. And I thought it was really interesting. And I've had listeners of my podcast reach out telling me that they have eating disorders themselves or had or struggled with that all their lives. And so we know how difficult that can be. And I think mindful eating is another thing that can kind of help us really shift into the right attitude instead of feeling like we're eating to fulfill something, sitting down and saying, I'm grateful that I have this food that nourishes my body and my body knows how to turn this into fuel, which then fuels my body, it keeps me healthy. And eating slowly, my family makes fun of me because I'm a really slow eater. Good for you. They're like, you're the slowest eater. And I say that's because when I'm at work, I have 20 minutes to eat my lunch. So I'm in a hurry and you know, scarfing it down so I can eat before my kids come in for the next class. But when I don't have to work, I don't have anywhere to be. I want to take my time and actually enjoy my, taste my food and enjoy it and, you know, um, really eat mindfully. And so I think a lot of us probably need to get more into that habit too. Yeah. Yeah. I have a really good trick for that. That That's interesting because a lot of times, I mean, I have a restaurant background, so I scarf down my food. I'm done. I get back to work, period. And so it's taken me a long time to learn. But one of the things you can do if you want to practice mindful eating is when you take your first bite, close your eyes. And now see how you experience the food that you're eating. How do you taste it? It tastes very differently because when we have our eyes open, we're looking around the room, we're looking at the people at the table, all those things that distract us from what we're actually doing. 
we're eating. So close your eyes for a moment and fully taste it. Find out what that experience is like. And it helps us to eat slower too, which is also a really good thing. Yeah, I think it helps in aiding the digestion and just overall. Sometimes I think when we eat so quickly, we're full before we stop eating, but we don't, if you haven't had the time for that to get to like your brain that, oh, I'm full. So I think that's what leads to a lot of overeating too in our society. So mindful eating is a really, really great practice that I really enjoy, like slowing down, enjoying it and all yeah, of Yeah, and we, you know, that's why we eat. I mean, sure, we eat because we need nutrition, but we almost always eat things that we want to eat. So why not enjoy it? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I love that. So tell us a little bit more about your book, Microdose Mindfulness, um, because I love the title. And you were talking about the title helps someone to understand that you don't have to go all in. <laughs> all overboard, like you said, and meditate for a half an hour. Yeah. It's like little things you can do every day that help you to maintain mindfulness. Well, you know, microdosing when it is mushrooms or anything else is kind of like what they use in psychology, which is titration. When you're going to overcome a major obstacle, you don't just start running a marathon. You put on your shoes, you learn to run all of these steps that lead up to being this really great runner. Same thing with being a really wonderful, focused, mindful all the time person. It doesn't happen overnight. We need these baby steps. And that's why these microdoses really help us because we can do little tiny things. Simply taking a breath, simply pausing to allow ourselves to focus on what is right now. Those are really basic microdoses, but they add up, they aggregate. And it helps us in our lives in so many ways. It makes us better communicators, makes us better humans. So it's really um, the focus of the book is you don't have to think about the big thing right now. Just take tiny steps and realize that that's really all it is anyway. It's a very simple thing. So Let's make it simple, let's make it approachable, and let's help people be more mindful, take better care of themselves and those they love. Yeah, I love that, I absolutely love that. And in teaching a foreign language, we have an acronym we like to use a lot, which is KISS, which is keep it simple, stupid. Right. And we tell our students that, you know, like you're not, we're not expecting you to be fluent in a language in a year. <laughs> no, we're teaching you step-by-step. But for some reason in life and in society, we've gotten to this place where like you have to have all the answers and you have to have it figured out by a certain time. I think that's the most ridiculous thing ever. And it just causes people to stress out, be overwhelmed and work too hard. And yeah. I think that that basis of just keeping it simple is the most important thing that you can do. So I love that you focus on that. Yeah, we spend so much time doing things halfway because we won't give ourselves the time to do it right. And language is definitely one of those. You know, we just need to be able to accept that we're going to have to take baby steps and we'll be better. But if we just throw ourselves at it, 
<laughs> the people who speak that language are going to have lots of laughs at our behalf. Yeah, I have students all the time. We, this is one of language teachers' like biggest gripes, is you give an assignment and you expect them to do simple things, you know, just say, what is your name, my name is, and they go to Google Translate and all of a sudden they're using past tense and future tense and all of these things they've never learned. It isn't correct and you're like, I don't even know what you were trying to say because this is all terrible because they just threw it into a translation program thinking like this is what you expected from me. And I tell them, I know you're gonna be speaking like kindergartners at first because that's the point. You're just learning a language and when you go to kindergarten, they don't start teaching you how to write complete paragraphs. You learn how to write my name is, which is what we're doing now. And I think as a society, we really need to shift that focus to, you know, you don't have to, you have to have all of the answers today. It's a process you're learning and that's a whole part of it. Exactly, exactly. You know, and if you go to Google Translate and copy it, you're not gonna learn it. Yeah. You're just finishing your homework. Right. And at the end of the day, if you just finish your homework, what did you learn? Probably not that much. Yeah, and I think that that is probably one of the biggest problems in our society is we want a, a quick fix for everything. You just take a pill and I can do this, take this and I can do that. And when you do that, you miss out on the whole part of learning, which was the yeah. reason for it all in the first place. And the learning is the fun part. I mean, that's what has really driven my passion for mindfulness, to learn about positive neuroplasticity and how resilience really works, because it's amazing. And to see people transform from just being so caught up in negativity and busy, 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 and all these other things to be able to slow down and actually find that they're more productive and have better focus than they were when they were looking things up on Google instead of learning it themselves. Yeah, and I just want to make that point too, that um, studies have shown that the practice of mindfulness actually does help learning. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of students who have learning problems there's something going on in the brain and mindfulness, study mindfulness practice can actually help shift that and turn that around. So I think that that's definitely something noteworthy if you have kids going to school right now and they're struggling, doing mindfulness activities with your kids actually helps them when they're studying. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, and the whole concept of multitasking and, you know, trying to do everything all at once rather than just focusing on one thing at a time. And there's been a lot of studies that, you know, if you really think you're multitasking, you're not, you're microtasking. And each time you microtask, you're switching your focus back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And that's really exhausting. Even if you don't realize that that's what you're doing, trust me, it's exhausting. <laughs> Yeah, and you aren't as productive when you do that either. I read a whole article about how multitasking actually makes you less productive instead of more productive. Mm-hmm. Absolutely true. Yeah. Well, I love what you're doing. And I think, you know, anyone who's out there, I love especially how mindfulness can help with trauma. Mm -hmm. And anyone who's out there who's experienced trauma, 
there's studies that show that I think eight to 12 weeks of doing study mindfulness practice actually changes the brain and can help with people who've experienced trauma. So I think that's another huge added benefit of mindfulness. Yes, it's, it's wonderful for trauma. It's wonderful for pain because we often focus on, again, we go back to negativity bias. You know, if you're dealing with trauma, that can be the only thing you see in your life, but it isn't the only thing in your life. And we need to learn how to make that cognitive switch. Oh, I'm focusing on that again. It's not helping me. What else can I do? Yeah, I'm seeing that a lot. My mother is going through cancer treatment and she's like on the end of it and healing and getting to recovery now. But during this whole process, it's like you have a choice. You can focus on the suffering, which will bring you more suffering, or you can focus on I'm getting better, I'm getting well, I have all this support, I have all this love from people. And it's been a real struggle because her mindset is always geared towards the negative. So she's focused more on the struggle, more on pain, more on all of the negative aspects of this journey. And I've never had to go through cancer treatment. And I know it, it looks painful and horrible and you have to go through all of these things. But I know personally that going through any kind of painful experience I've been through loss and divorce and all of those things and so for me the thing that would get me through is not to focus on all the bad things that have happened to me but instead choosing to focus on the good things that are coming what i already have and how i can take what i've learned and use it to make me stronger and better yeah you know why my previous book was called when life hits the fan and it's a mindful guide to self-care for caregivers, but I've read from people that it's also really helpful for people who are going through that trauma of a major illness. And, you know, it really is something that we do focus. I'm feeling really crappy today. I can't get up. I'm exhausted. You know, whatever it is that they're dealing with, becomes the major focus. And if we can just shift a little bit to looking out the window, finding things that, you know, will help us to get through it. Because wherever we put our focus, we get more of. Right. So what do we want more of? Do we want more of feeling miserable? No, we really don't. Yeah. So what's going to help us to find our strength, find our center, and get focused. And for me, mindfulness has done that in many, many ways. Yeah, I love that. And that's so true. I absolutely believe that what you focus on grows. So shifting your focus is so super important. And it is really everything. It is. Well, this has been such a great conversation. And I've enjoyed talking to you so much. If there's anyone out there who wants to listen to your podcast or would like to order your book, Microdosed Mindfulness, what's the best way for them to follow you or to purchase your book? Well, the first place is my website, JanetFouts.com. And then pretty much all across social media, I'm JFouts, Twitter, Instagram, all the usual places. And so please reach out and connect with me there. And if there's anything that I can do to help you, just reach out because I really, 
I have found so much purpose in being able to help people, even in a small way. And it, it really moves my heart and, and it makes me happy. So please do reach out. I love that. I love when people are absolutely living their purpose, which it sounds as if you really are and you're helping so many people. So I want to thank you for doing what you do. No, thank you so much. I always like to ask our guests if you could give our listeners one little nugget of advice, what would that be? It's really about learning to stop. Before you speak, before you answer the phone, stop. Give yourself a second to really be present and then speak, then answer the phone, then do whatever it is that you're going to do. That simple pause is amazingly powerful and it allows us to be fully present rather than working our way through stuff. I love that. I always say that practice the pause. That is amazing advice and so, so true. Thank you so much for being here with us today, Janet. Mm, Such a pleasure. Thank you. And I want to thank all of you for being here with us today. All of Janet's information will be in the show notes to the podcast. So you can go directly there to click on the link and get to her instantly. So you don't have to write anything down. I also want to thank you for listening to this podcast. If you like it, please subscribe. Please leave a positive review from wherever you're listening. You can leave me some stars on iTunes. And the best compliment you could pay me is to share this podcast with anyone you think might benefit from it. Also, if you want to work with me, you can go to my website, melissaoatman.com. There you'll see all the services I offer, and you can book directly from the website. You can book a free discovery call with me if you're not sure what you need, but you would like me to help you in any way. Also, if you follow me on social media, I go live Mondays at 630 Central, where I do a free card reading. And if you show up for the live, I'll pull a card especially for you. As always, I am sending you guys so much love and light. I hope you have a beautiful day from wherever you're listening, and I will talk to you soon. Bye, guys.